Hello and welcome to the first in a series of plastic surgery podcasts by the School of Surgery. My name is Benjamin Baker, I'm an academic junior doctor and I'm here today with Miss Jill Arrowsmith, a consultant plastic and reconstructive surgeon with a special interest in hand surgery here in Derby. And today we're going to talk about wound healing, specifically the types of cutaneous wound healing, the phases of wound healing, appropriate use of suture materials and scar formation. And then we're going to talk about wound infection. So thanks for joining us, Ms. Arrowsmith. Thank you. So how does a wound heal? Wounds heal by going through a series of four phases. The first phase is hemostasis, where platelets aggregate to form a clot and activate the complement cascade. And this results in a thrombus formation and vasoconstriction. Over the next three days, an inflammatory process starts where a sequence of inflammatory cells are attracted to the wound to start to phagocytose dead tissue and any bacteria. During this phase, cytokines are released to attract fibroblasts into the wound and begin the proliferative phase, which lasts for between three days to three weeks, where a collagen matrix is laid down to produce the scar. And some of the fibroblasts become myofibroblasts and cause the wound bed to contract to reduce the area that needs to be healed. Once the wound has healed, a remodelling phase begins, which continues for at least a year following the initial injury. And during this phase, collagen fibres are reorganised along lines of stress to increase the wound of strength. Okay, and I'm always hearing about this granulation tissue. What exactly is that? You see granulation tissue forming in the base of a wound that you're allowing to heal by secondary intent. And it's a mixture of new vascular tissues forming capillary loops, fibroblasts, the matrix tissue and bacteria. And it looks like cherry red lumpy tissue in the base of the wound. Okay, so we've mentioned um, wounds healing by secondary intention there. So can you explain for us what is primary, secondary and so-called tertiary intention? If we start off with secondary intention, this is the way that the body is designed to heal. A wound is not closed, it's left open, and granulation tissue forms in the base of the wound. The base of the wound contracts to reduce the size of the wound, and then the skin edges epithelialize across the granulation tissue until the whole surface of the wound has been resurfaced in epithelium. Primary closure is a surgical closure of a wound, and that's what you do when you've excised a lump or you've seen someone with a laceration and you suture the wound together. Delayed primary closure, which you'll also have heard of, is when a wound is not surgically closed immediately, but left open for a number of days and then surgically closed with sutures. Okay, and these form the first three steps of the reconstructive ladder, which we'll cover in greater detail in a later podcast. So when would you be able to close a wound safely using primary intention? You'd be able to close a clean wound and a fresh wound, so one ideally less than 12 hours old. However, in our current area with antibiotics and taking people to surgery would extend that out for 48 hours. You also have to be able to stitch the wound so if someone's lost a significant amount of tissue you wouldn't be able to close this directly 
using primary intention. If somebody has a dirty wound or a dog bite or any injury where you think there's a high chance of inoculum of bacteria and a wound infection, then those wounds are not safe to close primarily. And in that case, you may use delayed primary closure. And in your practice at the moment, what do you uh, use to close your wounds in terms of suture materials? All surgeons have different feelings on their preferred suture material. If I was closing a wound on the face, I would use a 6-0 monofilament, such as proline or ethylon. To close a wound on the hand or arms, I would use a 5-0 monofilament. And to close a wound on the trunk or legs, I would use a 4-0 monofilament. And when would sutures typically be removed? Sutures on the face can be removed early, at around four days following insertion. Sutures on the hands can be removed between seven and ten days following insertion. Sutures on the legs are probably best left for ten days, and in some cases longer, up to 14 days. Okay, so you've told us a bit about different suture sizes. Could you explain that for us? Surgical sutures are graded, such as a 6050, and when you see the packet, the 6 is separated by a dash from the 0. In those types of sutures, the larger the number, the smaller the diameter of the suture material. So a 10-0 suture is substantially smaller than a 2-0 suture. You'll also have seen suture material where there is a single number, such as 2-3. In those sutures, the larger the number, the larger the diameter of the suture material. So a two suture is larger than a one suture. Okay, and you mentioned monofilament sutures. Can you get sutures with more than one filament then? You can, you can get braided sutures. So monofilament sutures are an artificial suture material and they're a single thread. The advantages of them is that they're smooth. However, if you fracture the material with the needle or with another surgical instrument then you've weakened it and they can break more easily. Braided sutures are ethybond or vicryl and there are a number of threads woven together. The advantage of them is that they're stronger, less likely to microfracture but the amount of threads within the braid means that bacteria can hide on the surface more easily. And um, so once you've sutured the wound how long does it take to get back to its full strength? It takes a long time for a skin wound to get back to its full strength. By six weeks, the wound's only at around 50% of its strength, and it can take up to three to four months for it to regain its full strength. And obviously a number of factors affect wound healing. Could you take us through a few of those, please? The easiest way to answer a question on wound healing is to split this into local and systemic factors. So local wound factors can affect the time a wound takes to heal. Some of these are a cause of the injury itself, such as wound infection or dead material within the wound. Other things are generated by the surgeon, so it's important that you handle tissues gently to reduce extra injury to the skin and and do not tie sutures so tightly that you create ischemic areas within the wound. Systemic factors are things that you can't control, which have come in as part of the patient's makeup. The older you are, if you smoke, if you're taking drugs such as steroids or chemotherapeutic agents, 
if you have mineral or vitamin deficiencies. Also, diabetes and the autoimmune anti-inflammatory disorders slow down wound healing. Okay, we commonly encounter scars when examining patients on the surgical wards, and some are obviously more aesthetically pleasing than others. But merely the presence of a scar isn't necessarily pathological, is it? No. Skin heals by scar tissue formation, and it's a normal part of wound healing. Scars are unsightly if they are made in certain areas of the body, or if they are not aligned along lines of relaxed skin tension. Most scars initially look fine because it's the suture material that's holding the scar together. And then as the wound healing process starts making collagen and laying collagen down, the scar begins to look redder. And if you feel the scar, it feels like a thick cord within the skin. The red appearance of the scar can persist for many months as the scar tissue remodels and it often takes longer than six months for the scar to become a thin flat white line scar. Some people don't make these scars either because of the area in the body the scar has been made and the classic areas for a poor scar are the deltoid area of the shoulders, chest wall and the earlobes and it's common to make what's called a hypertrophic scar now, a hypertrophic scar is a scar that is red and lumpy for longer than six months um, and the scar tissue may be more heaped up but is within the confines of the original scar. Most hypertrophic scars will settle with time but will take longer than the six-month period of normal wound healing. A keloid scar is more scar production than normal that it encroaches outside the boundaries of the initial scar tissue into previously healthy skin and these are very difficult to treat they do not settle down by themselves over a few months okay thanks so let's move on to wound infection so we've all been there as house officers when the nursing staff ask you to come and assess a patient with a leaky wound so what are the signs of a wound infection I think the first thing to say is that it can be very difficult to determine whether a wound is actually infected because part of the normal wound healing process is inflammation and inflammation will give you redness, swelling, pain and if you touch the wound it's slightly warmer. So the first thing I'd recommend is that you look at your surgical wounds so that you have a feeling for the normal amount of inflammation you'd expect at a certain time frame following the operation and that will enable you to assess whether this wound is more inflamed than that to the point where you think it's infected. A wound that's discharging tends to be an infected wound. Are there any signs which are particularly worrying which we should look out for? If the patient is systemically unwell, that would suggest a more significant wound infection. And also, if the area of redness is rapidly spreading, that would make you more concerned. There's a rare condition called necrotizing fasciitis, which is a life-threatening infection which spreads rapidly and makes the patient systemically ill very quickly. The only treatment for that is surgical debridement of the infected tissue, so it's important to bear that in the back of your mind, although, as I've said, it's uncommon. OK, and assuming the patient is systemically well and there aren't any signs of necrotizing fasciitis, how would that simple wound infection typically be managed? If at all possible, 
send a sample for microbiological examination. So if there's any discharge or moisture along the wound surface, swab that and send that swab for culture and sensitivity. If there's an obvious collection at any point of the wound, make a little opening in this with the wound swab in order to allow that area to drain and also get a sample. I'd also recommend marking the area of redness around the wound with a permanent marker pen, which will allow both you and any doctor you hand over to to see whether the surrounding cellulitis is improving or worsening. Antibiotic treatment is indicated in post-surgical wounds and you'll have to rely on your hospital protocols for this. Most of the time you'll be treating this empirically basing it either on um, the surgical procedure that they've had done or assuming that it's a skin commensal infection and giving whatever your hospital protocol suggests for that infection. If you've already got a wound swab from this wound previously, then you'll be able to give targeted antibiotics. Let's finish off with some take-home messages now then. So the first would be that wounds heal in four stages. Hemostasis, inflammation, proliferation and remodelling. The second would be that inflammation is a normal component of wound healing and it's important to be able to differentiate between wound inflammation and infection. Watch especially for the discharging wound. We're now past the days when laudable pus was considered to be part of wound healing. Join us again in the near future for some more plastic surgery based podcasts from the School of Surgery. Miss Arrowsmith, many thanks for joining us.